Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. So in verse 1 it says, I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. And notice the command to pour out the bowls of wrath is coming from the throne of God. This is not some happen chance, happenstance. It's, this is a very direct command. And notice it's not a quiet voice, but it's a loud voice. The Greek word is megalos, which means mega. Welcome again, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today we begin learning of the final bold judgments that are initiated. Our scripture says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple. Since no one could enter the temple, this loud voice from the temple must be God himself, who personally initiates the horrific judgment of the bowls. Because they are described as the wrath of God, They are chastisements with the purpose of bringing repentance as much as punishments with the purpose of dispensing justice. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. So let's read uh, Revelation chapter 16. We're just going to go through it. And uh, let's see. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature, every living creature in the sea died. And then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers in the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues because of the pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, 
and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he be naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together to the place in the Hebrew called Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon them, upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a hundred pounds, about a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Exceedingly great. So now we are well into the second half of the tribulation period, a period that we've been talking about since... Revelation chapter 6, when the seal judgments, remember there were seven seal judgments, and upon the seventh seal that really unleashed another seven judgments called the trumpet judgments, and those were another set of uh, uh, horrible things that God had poured out upon the earth, and then at the seventh trumpet, it indeed, like an accordion, it poured out another final seven bowls of wrath. So we had seals, trumpets, and if you have a King James Version, it might say vials, or bowls, but basically it is the final seven series of wrath of God upon the earth. And it's going to, just like a woman who is in labor, Jesus said that uh, that's how the end times would be. It would be like a woman with birth pangs, uh, because those contractions start off small, and as she gets closer and closer to the birth of the child, the frequency of those Braxton Hicks and those things start happening, And next thing you know, there is great pain, great pain, great pain, and then finally the delivery of the child. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. And this last seven plagues upon the earth, these seven bulls of wrath, are going to be unleashed, and it's going to be the worst it's ever been. And not only the the intensity of this is going to be very, very great. And again, why is God doing this? We know that the church has been removed prior to the great tribulation. We see that in chapter four when Jesus or when uh, John says, and I and I heard a voice saying, "Come up here." And John, being a representative of the church, was raptured along with the rest of us, and we are with the Lord forevermore in the clouds. That's where we're received up into glory, and there we are with Him, the Church of God, those believers in Jesus Christ, those who are born again, are taken out of the earth. Before the great day of wrath comes. And it is a great day of wrath. The seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments. Upon a world that has rejected God's only means of salvation. Jesus Christ. Joshua, Jehovah Shua. God's salvation. That's literally what his name means. There's no other way to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. All others have tried to come up some other way through different religions. And Jesus called them thieves and liars. 
They tried to come up some other way, but there's only one way. And guess what? It's open for any human being that's ever been born. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Not through Buddha, not through the Pope, not through anyone else. Only through Jesus. Amen? That is a message that people need to hear. Because it's not about us. We don't make the rules. We don't make the rules. God makes the rules. He has the right to make the rules. He created all things. In Genesis, he made the heavens and the earth. He spoke it into existence. Do you understand the, the, the craziness that that is? There was nothing, and then there was something, because he spoke. Do you believe that? Because science is going to challenge you. Your kids are going to come home from college and say, I don't believe the Bible anymore, Mom, because evolution has proven itself beyond a shadow of a doubt. Are you serious? Willfully blind are all those who teach such nonsense. Ignorance. Ignorance. You better teach your kids now, because when they get into high school and college, if they go to a a college, oh my Lord, Help. What has happened in our country? Harvard University used to be one of the greatest universities. It started off with God being at the center, and it really was. Great theologians came out of Harvard. Now it's become a liberal cesspool, along with many other colleges. Very few left now, because they've all bought into the lie. And you're paying great money to send your child there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it? They should pay you. But I wouldn't even take it. So be careful. So anyway, as we look at these seven uh, final bull judgments, this puts us securely in the second half of the tribulation. This is going to be the great, now the lion is going to roar. Last week we looked at chapter 15, and that was really a prelude to this chapter. Now everything is going to break loose. All hell is going to break loose upon an earth. And it's going to be such an intensity, such an intensity. What did Jesus say? He said, if, he says, there will be great tribulation that has not been since the beginning of, of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. And so we know that those days are yet ahead of us. And God is going to shorten them because if he didn't, all flesh would be consumed on the planet. Everyone would die. That's how great the judgment of God is going to be. And that's a, such a, that's a really hard topic to talk about. And the Bible says that judgment is God's strange work. It's not something he enjoys. He'd much rather bless. If you're a child of God this morning, it's because you gave your heart to him. He wooed you by his spirit, and now here you are. So thankful for that. Aren't you glad that he got a hold of you when he did? I, didn't, I wasn't even looking for him when he came and sought me out again. He sought me out many times, and I look back at my life, and I see the different times that he knocked on the door, and he was there. And I ignored him for several times. Why is it that one time he got a hold of me? How is it? What a mystery it is. It's always a mystery, isn't it? So... 
But notice in Revelation chapter 15, if you remember, in the very first verse, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to read it to you. And by the way, um, I was having some technical difficulties. Normally I have the scriptures and all this stuff up here, and I had a problem this morning, so we don't have those. I apologize for that. But in Revelation 15, what does it say? The prelude to this chapter says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And, And that means that if the bold judgments make it complete, it stands that there was wrath before. And we know this because we looked at the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, but there are those who believe that somehow the church has to go through the tribulation and that we're raptured at the midpoint. But this clearly says that we are, uh, that, that wrath had, be, had begun prior and now it's going to be finished. Does that make sense? If you follow the logic through. Because God has not appointed his church to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Remember, remember that. It's not just because we deserve to be raptured before all hell breaks loose on the earth. I don't deserve it. I never could deserve it. But I'll accept it. You know why? Because the Bible tells me so. It's really convenient, isn't it, to be raptured before all these things happen. And, and the world, they can say what they want. Oh, he's just your crutch. Oh, that's, that's really nice, you know, pie in the sky kind of stuff. Well, guess what? It is pie in the sky, and thank you very much. And I'll take it. Make no apology about that. Because it's going to come to pass. As sure as you're sitting in your chair this morning, it will happen. And it's going to happen. And it's before us yet. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. And make no, make no apologies for what God has said in his word. The world doesn't like it. But the world needs that same message that you and I received. Amen? So be vocal about your faith. Get out there and tell people. Don't allow yourself to get cold. It's so easy when things start getting really ramped up like they are right now to everyone to just kind of close in and and shut the doors and and just close off your heart and just say, you know, forget it all. But don't let it happen. And I say that for myself as well. It's something we need to always be on guard of, not letting our love grow cold. The love that God placed in you by his spirit. So in verse 1 it says, I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. And notice the command to pour out the bowls of wrath is coming from the throne of God. This is not some happen chance, happenstance. It's, this is a very direct command. And notice it's not a quiet voice, but it's a loud voice. The Greek word is megalos, which means mega, right? That's what it means, mega. It's a loud, loud voice. And I love the fact that God's wrath is shown to be measured in the book of Revelation. It's not just some kind of angry tyrant in the sky who's just throwing down lightning bolts like some kind of Greek god who's angry because he's not worshipped. God doesn't need any of us. But he's pouring out his wrath and it's measured. Have, did you ever notice that? It's measured. It's very methodical. And you would think that natural man would say, you know what? I see this. And, and, you know, during the time of this great tribulation, you'd think that people would wisen up. But what happens? They blaspheme God, and they do not repent of their deeds. Such is the heart of man, isn't it? It's kind of scary, isn't it? But he is not a tyrant, desperate. He's not a tyrant, tyrannical despot who's out of control. He's very under control. Remember when Jesus cleansed the temple, when he came into the temple, He was very much in control. And you notice nobody got hurt, but tables got overthrown. Doves got let loose. But did you see him walking into the baseball bat hitting people? 
Did you see the Antifa thing on his, on, you know, the, the Antifa thing on his, you know, the bandana, Antifa? No, he was very much in control. Very much in control. Because even in his wrath, he's under control. And notice that it was from the temple. From the temple. And remember, there is a temple in heaven. It is a the temple that is made on the earth when God told Moses to create the temple or to create the tabernacle when they were going through the desert. What did he say in Exodus 25? He says, And let them, meaning the children of Israel, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you. That is the pattern the, ta- uh, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so shall you make it. There's a pattern. There is a prototype that God was referring to. And in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3 through 5, what does it say? For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, speaking of Jesus, also has something to offer. For if he were on the earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve, notice, the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, God speaking to him, see that you make all things according to the pattern that was shown you in the mountain. The pattern of the temple that is in heaven was the one that was prototyped on the earth, or or made in the likeness of the throne in heaven. And notice that it speaks of the seven angels, the seven angels. Don't want to make a big deal about this, but if you look over in chapter 15, in the very first verse, you'll see that it says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels. Notice, without the definite article. You know the difference, right, between a definite article and something that doesn't have it? When it says these seven angels, it's speaking about a specific thing. When it just says seven angels, it's speaking of something else, another set of seven angels. Does that make sense? And so it's established for us right here in chapter 15, verse 1, that seven angels, not these seven angels, we don't want to, we don't want to confuse them with the seven angels that we saw earlier in the bold, in the, um, excuse me, the trumpet judgments. Because there were seven angels there, but these are a separate group. And now that they are established, now it finally says, now, the seven angels that were referred to in chapter 15, verse 1, these specific group of angels, these are going to pour out, and they are going to pour out the bowls of the wrath of God. Notice, on the earth. Notice the angelic commission here. God is commissioning the angels. And when I read this, uh, it was really amazing. When I think about, you know, in heaven... There is no rebellion with the angels that did not follow Lucifer or Satan. The ones that are in heaven are obedient to God. There were some that fell away from him, and we know them as demons. And Lucifer became Satan, this light bearer. We know that. And I love that these angels are obedient. Don't you want to be obedient to the Lord? Don't you want to love him and express your love? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Now, can we keep the commandments? There's more than just ten. Actually, Jesus really narrowed it down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All those two, the ten commandments are wrapped up in those two. Because they either talk about God or our relationship with man. And the two tables of stone were divided up in such a way. But don't you want to be obedient to God as a way to say, Lord, I love you. And I love the promise in 1 John that if we, if we do sin, we confess it. 
And if we confess it, what does it say? He will be faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And folks, that's what we have to do every single day. Because none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. Until the day that we are raptured from this earth, we will still struggle with sin. We will still have issues of sin. We will still sin. Hopefully we'll sin less tomorrow than we did this last week. But when we blow it, guess what? We have an advocate we can go before and the blood of Christ covers our sin, but we must confess, right? And they will be for, it will be forgiven. And then it's up to us to say, Lord, give me that gift of repentance. It is a gift, I believe, to turn away and to never come back again. And if you fall again, you get back up again. The righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up again. Don't let the devil beat you over the head when you fail and say, you're done. You've done this so many times. And you keep saying, oh, Lord, forgive me, forget. And then you do it again. Oh, forgive me, Lord. Then you do it again. Listen, you keep confessing and you keep fighting and you never, ever give up. Never give up. Don't ever give up. No matter how bad it gets, the devil knows. He can't take away your salvation, but he can certainly take away your joy and your effectiveness of being a Christian. But guess what? He can't take your soul. Your soul has been purchased. So when you fall, you get right back up again and you confess it and you move on and you trust the efficacy of the blood of Christ to forgive that sin. You can do that, by the way. Do you know that? You plead the blood of Christ. But notice this commission to pour out the bowls of wrath. It reminds me very much of the commission that Jesus gave to his disciples after his death and resurrection. Remember in Matthew 28? What did he say? Notice these angels. They say, or the, 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 the voice from the temple says, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. And what did Jesus tell his disciples that day in Galilee? He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Notice the different commissions. The church is given a commission. I just read that. And then finally, after the church is removed, and toward the end, the latter part of the great tribulation now there is another commission an angelic commission god commissions them to go and to pour out the bowls of wrath upon the earth and notice and so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had who had the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image remember there's a time in the in the coming in the tribulation where uh, anyone who wants to buy or sell is going to have to take a mark on their hand or in their forehead in order for them to buy or sell. And that will also be an allegiance to the one. Okay? you got to remember that. Now, we're going to be gone. If you're a believer, you're going to be gone. You're not going to be here during this. But those who take the beast will be damned. There'll be no going back after they receive that mark. And if you think of this, you know, they worship the image of the beast that is placed in the temple. We, we looked at that when we were in Revelation 13. And this is very reminiscent of the, the, the sore that was placed upon them. We saw the very same thing in the sixth plague that God poured out upon the Egyptians. Remember when they were uh, the children of Israel were in Egypt? 
God was pouring out ten different plagues upon Pharaoh, on ten different gods that they worshipped, to show the impotence of those gods and the supreme authority that God had over all of his creation. What did it say in Exodus 9, verses 8 through 9? It says, The Lord said to Moses, Take yourselves handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out on swords. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.